Hey everyone, just a quick note on this podcast. Normally all of our podcasts are what we would consider suitable for work, uh, but this one not so much. So if you're used to listening to our podcast on a speaker, this might be a time to put the headphones in and uh, kids, if you're about to listen to this, you probably need to go let your dad listen to this one first. Dads, make sure those headphones are in. And with no further ado, Here we go. Wolf, get away from those sheep. Bollocks. You're listening to the Wolf and the Shepherd podcast, broadcasting from Fort Worth in the great state of Texas. Now, get ready for this episode of the Wolf and the Shepherd. Welcome to this episode of the Wolf and the Shepherd. Today we have with us Adelia Acker. Adelia, so great you could join us today. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> hey, it's good to see you. Um, now, our listeners won't be able to see you and they're kind of missing out a little bit, but I do <laughs> want to get a couple of ground rules sorted out. Number one, the shepherd's been married since about third grade. That's true. And I got married about 10 days ago, so if you can knock the flirting down to about level nine, that's probably... <laughs> right. That, that would be bl- helpful. That'd be good for us. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're, we're old men, yeah. and so it, you know, don't try to make us feel better about ourselves because yeah, we're going to take gonna that the wrong way. Not going to work. Yeah. Um, also, our uh, demographic is 90% middle-class, college-educated males with disposable income and access to the internet. So for the benefit of like maybe three or four of our quarter of a million listeners who don't know what OnlyFans is. Could you explain the platform? Yeah, so OnlyFans is a platform. I mean, it's a little bit different than a platform like Pornhub because girls can put out whatever content they want. Um, I mean, it can be pornographic. I personally do kind of full-on porn, um, but I know a lot of girls who do like strip teases or kind of like barely show their boobs or show like their bare butt. And it's like a place where you can connect to whatever girl you want to connect to. So I think that's where it's a lot different than websites like Pornhub, because like you're able to talk to the girl, you're able to request stuff from the girl. You're able to like have those personal, genuine conversations. Um, so yeah, my only fans is daddy deals. <laughs> Onlyfans.com slash daddy deals. If you want to connect. Gotcha. So one, <laughs> one thing that happened, of course, in the news, even if you had never heard of OnlyFans, is when OnlyFans came out and said they were no longer going to allow pornographic material on their website. And I think that lasted, what, like a week or mm. something like that. So <laughs> you being that kind of uh, content provider or, or content creator on the site, what kind of first entered your mind as that announcement initially came out and you thought, you know, is this the end? I, well, I already have a lot of anxiety. So even when like a minor inconvenience happens, I'm like, my world is ending. So when that news came out, I was really like, damn, my world is ending. I was like, what am I going to do? Because I mean, most of my traffic on OnlyFans came from the platform itself. Um, since they really like my podcast, um, my new podcast and my old podcast, so they promoted it a lot and therefore pushed a lot of traffic to my personal page. Um, I'm actually the 17th most followed person on OnlyFans. Um, so when that news broke, I'm like, how in the fuck would I get any of this traffic to all these other sites? Like, I didn't know what I was going to do because I have a lot of expenses. <laughs> I have a lot of expenses. So I really didn't know how I was going to live my life. 
Now, did, they actually, I, sorry, did they actually reach out to everybody and say, hey, from this date, we're not allowing this certain type of content? Or were you like most people and just kind of saw a news headline or somebody sent you a text and say, hey, did you see this? Uh, we did get an email saying everything that they were going to ban, quote unquote. But the email was a little bit vague and I didn't really say what would happen if you put that content out. And it it was like there was a lot of inferences about what they meant. Like a lot of things were left up in the air. So it was just really confusing on what they were going to allow and what they weren't going to allow. But, you know, they retracted it. So we can keep on going. Right. And that retraction, it, and I don't even remember exactly when all this transpired, but it was about a week, wasn't it? Uh, it was. So I believe the news so Newsline started talking about it on a Thursday, which we all thought was like a, we thought it was like a, I think the word is bloof or something like that. But then Friday, we all got the email. And then by Wednesday, they were like, just kidding, guys. <laughs> we heard you. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so yeah, I mean, for that week, though, I mean, that must have really sucked. And then, of course, naturally, they've retracted it. And now it's, you know, back to, back to business as usual. Oh, yeah. A lot of girls just had like their highest months ever during that month um, because like people were buying like we all thought the platform was going to go like I did my first sex tape that month. Like I, we were just going. Now, is it still at risk um, with the owners of the platform at any time turning around and changing direction again? Or is there any type of plan for the um, content providers on OnlyFans to actually own the platform itself in some way so you don't get things like this thrown upon you in the future? Um, that we don't really know. Um, it's just, it's very up in the air. However, I mean, there are some people at OnlyFans who don't think it'll ever happen. There are some people who think it could happen. It just kind of depends. Um, I think OnlyFans was just trying to kind of cover their ass with, uh, banks wanting to like charge them more money since uh, I think they were trying to pass off as a social media platform and get charged accordingly. And then banks caught on that it's definitely a pornographic platform. And then um, when it's a pornographic platform, banks charge more money. So from my understanding, they just didn't want to pay those extra fees. So, uh, so, so maybe there was like a little bit of negotiation in the background and, you know, the credit card fees and all that. And then they, actually solved it, you know, in the background and, you know, scared everybody and all that good stuff. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where you never actually hear the whole story and maybe that's actually what happened. So now it's very interesting. And of course you have a podcast, which you in your podcast now are talking about some of the things that goes on with only fans and, and the folks that are there content creating and all that kind of give us an overview of, that podcast, you know, what your mission is behind getting that message out and all that good stuff. Definitely. Um, so my podcast, it's called That's Offensive, capital O-F. So a big part of it is trying to destigmatize OnlyFans and just normalize, just like normalize things that I think are looked down a lot by a lot of people. Because I think that's kind of where the play on people, like that's offensive. People like to get offended by a lot of things. Like, you know, if I am wearing a shirt on TikTok where my boobs are out, like people are like, you need Jesus. Where's your father? Like, you know, when I tried to DJ, people were saying I suck. So I think it's just to like bring those conversations to light and really talk about things that haven't been 
talked about, I think enough, like on my first episode of, uh, that's offensive. I talk about how like only fans made me discover that I was bisexual and I never really knew that about myself. So it's like only fans gave me the platform to figure out stuff about my sexuality that I don't think I would have figured out otherwise. Cause you know, I was raised in a very Christian home where I couldn't wear shorts that like showed my butt. And now here I am vagina on the internet. It's out there. Right. Now, um, <laughs> Do you think it's possible to destigmatize the platform in view of what you said? Because a lot of, I guess, if you want to call it outrage or objection to sites like OnlyFans, is this moral crusade that, you know, takes it upon themselves to try and regulate what people do in their own, you know, living rooms or bedrooms. And, you know, I don't know if some people will ever let that overreach go away that they're never going to stop telling you oh that's not morally right you know you should be doing something different this is corruption so do you think that's a realistic goal destigmatization of the platform or do you just think that you know if people understand the nature of the platform then it will be one of those things if you're after this then you go here if you don't you don't go there and as long as people understand that boundary they respect only fans right to exist and operate in the way it does then you know everybody can be at peace but do you think that's a realistic scenario i mean to destigmatize it everywhere no <laughs> but to bring i think to educate people and at least change some people's mind i definitely think it's a reasonable goal especially with like the younger generations because i think the younger generations are finally realizing like religion says this this and this but this does not seem morally right, or this seems extremely outdated. And I think the younger generations are finally realizing this. And it's like a lot of the younger generations are posting in bathing suits now, I think are more comfortable with their sexuality. Like if you ask some, a lot of people my mom's age, like when they first used a vibrator, it took them to like their 40s or 50s, or they just don't use them because they're not comfortable, I think, with their sexuality and their body. Like I got my first vibrator when I was 18 years old we're 19 years old. So I just think it changes with the generation. And I think a lot of people who hate on OnlyFans and hate on this idea of being comfortable with your sexuality aren't comfortable with their sexuality for one and are almost enraged because of some religion or something their parents told them. And a lot of the time it's a projection of how they're feeling about themselves when they, when they do that to you guys or like to me, for example. So I think that educating people on why they feel the way they do um, kind of helping with misogyny or even internalized misogyny if it's for women, um, I think can definitely help destigmatize the platform and make it a lot more normalized in today's society because like everyone has sex. It's just some people are open about it. Some people aren't. So it's just getting that conversation out there. And so uh, going back to that destigmatizing everything. So what are some of the stereotypes or the stigmas that are out there that you can go, you know, kind of go ahead and say, Hey, these aren't real, you know, people think this, but it's really this way. Yeah. Um, people just assume all OnlyFans girls are whores. Um, and a lot of the OnlyFans girls I know are some of like the pickiest on who they sleep with that I know. I mean, even myself, I just started kind of hooking up with guys again, but I'm still like very selective and it's very few and far between. But um, I mean, girls, I hook up with a lot of girls. I mean, it's content, but um, guys, I mean, I didn't have sex for like eight months. And a lot of that was when I first made an OnlyFans too. Like I just was not having sex. Um, 
And even, I mean, this year, I think I've had sex with like three people. I mean, that's still a lot more than like the average, but, um, I, I don't like this notion that all OnlyFans girls are whores because I mean, one, I don't really like the word whore unless like you're doing something fucked up to hurt someone. Like if you want to go have sex with a lot of people, I think you should go be able to do that without people judging you or labeling you. Um, I mean, I'll call my girlfriend's whores is like a, like an endearing term, but, um, I just want people to stop judging. I mean, all these guys who have sex with a lot of girls, they're like studs, they're athletes, they're all of this stuff. But then when it's a girl, then narrative changes. Um, another stereotype I feel like about a lot of sex workers is like they're dirty, but I mean, sex workers get tested more than anyone else because, you know, safe sex is good sex, like for especially for the business that we're in, because, you know, if you catch an STD or you do something like you can't work or you can't do certain things. And um, I know some people think that people who are in sex work feel like they have no other options or it's like a last resort and they feel the need to help sex workers. But I mean, me, for example, I had two corporate jobs before I started this. Like, I mean, I was, I wasn't making great money, but it's like, I was making money and I chose sex work over those because this is where I'm the happiest. And I, don't look back on that decision at all. So I think those are a few stereotypes that um, I'm working on breaking. Yeah, it's unfortunate because I think every generation has come along with inbuilt stereotypes, which almost don't go away. You have to wait for the next generation to replace it and come with, you know, fresh ideas and a little bit more acceptance to the way things change. But you know, the Shepherd and I, we're part of Generation X and we remember when, you know, videos were put on MTV and they were so shocking. It was in the news. It's been discussed in Congress. You know, how can this platform, you know, show Madonna's cleavage or backside or all this stuff? And, you know, you fast forward like 30 years or whatever later and you can have yeah, th thanks for making us feel yeah, so much older yeah, there right good yeah. job yeah i was an embryo when i mm -hmm. saw that video yeah um but you know you fast forward now and you've got carly b on the radio singing about wet ass pussy but that seems to be acceptable and to be able to be played on you know most radio stations digital stations um with no proof of age required to actually listen to something yet they focus on something like OnlyFans where you can't accidentally get access to content, you know, which isn't appropriate for you. There's a sign-up process. A lot of the process is paying money. And so it's confusing why in this day and age when you are allowed to have Cardi B singing about, you know, a vagina getting wet, that a platform which is secure, safe, because... You know, people who shouldn't be getting to it can't get to it. Why they tend to focus or just put that spotlight on something which has been around in various formats for about 25 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's funny because even Cardi B has, uh, she's said that she gets a lot of heat for her songs, like her making the stallion, they get a lot of heat for saying like, what ass pussy, like, I'm so hot, like, or, you know, guys want to fuck me, I'm fucking guys. But then you look at, like, rappers and, like, rock stars who talk about, like, fucking all these whores, like, for years and years. Like, and I, I think even since, like, the 80s, like, you know, rock stars or whatever, we're thinking about, like, fucking all these girls. And, I mean, 
And I don't want to like put any shade on Cardi for like what's on the radio station or anything. Like, I think it's amazing what she's doing because she's really making like girls and guys equal on that playing field. Um, but yeah, I do think social media just portrays only fans and, you know, like, like what people sing about, what people do, they, they put them on such different pedestals. Um, since I just think only fans girls, well, I, I live in like Southern California. And then before that I lived in Arizona where only fans is very acceptable, but like you go to like parts of Texas or you go to like parts of the East coast and it's very, very frowned upon. Like, I don't even like to visit those places because I think the people are very close minded. Yeah. Well, we're, we're actually in North Texas. We live in DFW, um, Dallas, Fort Worth. And it's funny you should mention that because that is a, an attributed, type personality set for a lot of Texans but to be honest most people and most of our peer group is kind of middle class white collar again college educated but I I don't think you know once you got past the boomer generation you have too many of these overhanging attitudes that you know for a girl to flaunt their sexuality they almost become a whore in their eyes but I mean there are those people out there but you know the majority of people you know, who you come across, even in very red states like Texas, they don't really care. You know, they're more about, look, if you want to do that in the privacy of your own, you know, house, whatever, then go go ahead and do it. We're more of a case of, look, as long as you're not, you know, putting down dogs, women and children, we don't really care what you do, you know. Um, yeah. and, that, and that's the honest opinion from people our age. I mean, like, we never talk to anybody who frowns down or complains about it. Um, so I think that's a little bit of a stereotype. I think you'll find that you've got more support out there for what you do uh-huh. than, than you know. It's parts of Texas. I, I don't think the major cities, like I have a lot of friends in Austin and Dallas who like in those like big cities, like OnlyFans is great. But then they go more to the country where like they're, they were raised with their parents. And then in like those little cities, OnlyFans is like a crazy huge deal. So I do think it's kind of the more rural city, like is, is the word rural, but more of like the countryside where I think people cling to religion a little bit more and cling to those like morals versus big cities. I think people are a lot more accepting of it. Yeah. Or, or maybe it's just in the rural parts, the internet connection really sucks. Yeah. And so they're just a little bit jealous. They're like, well, yeah. I'm just going to be mad about this because I can't yeah. get a hold of it because I went to my buddy's house in Dallas and he's yeah. got fantastic internet yeah. and he can see all this and I can't even stream a Netflix show. Yeah, we're, we're in the country. They're still trying to download a tit from 1997. Yeah. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, it, it is very different. I mean, the attitudes once you get into the rural areas, either far out east or far out west from where we are, it's a very different type of people and you know, there's still people there who frown down upon people having tattoos or, you know, girls wearing skirts above the knees. I mean, it, it kind of comes with a territory because you have a certain number of religious people, especially towards certain sects of Christianity where, you know, the, even masturbation is frowned upon, never talked about, that's seen as something kind of, okay, you do that in your own time. We don't really approve of it, but if you're going to do it, do it. It's not something which is seen as a kind of, form of self-discovery it's seen as something dirty and so obviously yeah. any type of platform which facilitates masturbation which only fans does or Pornhub does automatically gets thrown into that mixer of stuff they disapprove of and they've got no wish to understand the platform the people who work in that platform and like I said the only way I think those attitudes are going to be changed is when those type of people 
die out with those attitudes because they never seem to change. They carry those attitudes from when they're ingrained with them growing up pretty much all the way through and they try to pass it off. But as new generations come through, I think, you know, they're more willing to, you know, see different sides of things and before they accept and reject it. Whereas, you know. Well, I will say some of those like really stubborn older generations a lot of the time when like their daughters start to have only fans, I'm not saying this is the case with my parents, but some of my friends' parents, they start to try to understand it more because like some of these parents, like they know their daughters, like they know their character, like they know they're not bad people. And then like, and now I think, especially with today's day and age, it's like respect your parents isn't as big of a thing. It's respect my boundaries. And then we can have a relationship. So a lot of, I mean, even my friends will tell their parents, like, we, we won't have a relationship if you're going to talk down on me like this. And then like, they make their parents like want to understand so that they can continue having a relationship. I will say with like my dad, I don't have a relationship with him, but my mom just pretends like it's not happening and we're, we're getting along fine. So, I mean, a lot of parents, I think when their children start to do this kind of stuff, they want to understand and want to be more open-minded. Sure. Makes sense. So let's move on to another topic that, you know, I know that you're very adamant about and passionate about, which is censorship on social media. And you kind of alluded to that a little bit, but uh, where's the the passion behind that? Uh, And so I'm going to give you kind of a, a minute to gather the thoughts, but I think we're all familiar with censorship on social media mm. and we're not necessarily talking about because we've been talking about only fans and pornography and everything mm. we're not necessarily talking about it that way although that could be a topic you want to bring up but uh the the facebook jail jokes right mm. you know that everybody puts something on facebook and then facebook bans them and now it's almost become like this badge of honor on facebook oh i just got out of facebook jail and all of this stuff so Uh, Walk us through kind of your stance and your thoughts about the social media censorship. Yeah. So basically I'm on my fourth Instagram account right now. I just got my third Instagram account back. My second one was first banned for sexual solicitation, which my account was just flagged from um, like, I, I didn't understand. I, I, my first, in- so I'll just go with my first Instagram account, then kind of go down the line of how Instagram has changed. So my first Instagram account, my dad actually made me delete, but I was kind of like, quote unquote, rave famous. Like I was really known in the rave community for like going to these concerts, wearing little pasties. And like, I was very, very well known. And then my dad was like, Oh my God, you're a whore. You need to delete this. So then I started with my second Instagram And my second Instagram, there was a while where I cleaned it up a lot because my dad was like, you're never going to find a job if you're a whore on Instagram and like just kind of scared me, whatever. And then finally I had a job and I was like, wait, I can actually post whatever the fuck I want to. And my job doesn't care as long as I'm selling shit. And I wasn't even selling shit (laughs) very well. I'm not a great salesperson, but um, (laughs) they, they still didn't really give a shit. So then I started like really working on my social media again. And then there was like this one day I decided to make an OnlyFans. I was so fucking excited. And I did the swipe up for OnlyFans, not knowing that Instagram cracks down a lot on girls. And I maybe did that like two or three times. And then I started getting a lot of flags on Instagram, like, um, like flagging me for sexual solicitation and 
stuff like that, which was funny because back then I wasn't even like doing porn on my OnlyFans. Like I was literally showing my nipples like through my shirt kind of thing, like sheer lingerie. So for them to just assume like sexual solicitation, I started getting a lot of posts removed. They, it was very hard to find my account. They shadow banned me. So I wasn't being shown to the amount of followers I had. And then finally it had been like two months since I had had a violation or a month or two since I had a violation. And they just deleted me after I posted. It was like, I was wearing a rave outfit. So it was pasties and um, pants that were like up to my belly button. And then they just like deleted my whole account. And I was like, fuck, like the fact that they can do this. And like, in my account, just, I couldn't really recover it after I was posting on only like about OnlyFans, And then, um, I ended up growing my new Instagram way bigger than my old one. And I got this Instagram back while I was growing this new one. So my third account I grew now it's at like 309,000 followers. My old one was like a little under a hundred. Um, so then I was posting on the second account as like some DJ stuff. And then it got deleted for impersonating myself. And I submitted my ID multiple times, even paid people to get it back. Like nothing. Instagram was not getting it back. Then I got my third account deleted for bullying and harassment because I commented on my friend's photo, bitch, you better be here. And like, just, I guess, because I said, bitch, it was just, they deleted my, like, that was my last violation. And then I got deleted like a day later. So I just thought, and I just got it back. So I know I have to be like careful with my account, but I'm just, it's like crazy the stuff that they're trying to delete for without any, I, I guess like, there's no human behind the computer being like, oh yeah, she did not deserve to be deleted. Let me get her account back. And I believe there's like over 200,000 accounts right now that just got deleted who are trying to get back. And all these Instagram employees are quitting or getting fired because people are paying these Instagram employees to get their accounts back and paying a lot of money. Then when Instagram finds out about it, they fire the employee. So um, it's, it, it's become kind of a money game and same with like TikTok. Like you pay your connections at TikTok and you pay your connections at Instagram to get your accounts back in like good standing. And now I think that, that they're almost fucking with people like deleting their accounts just so that they can get the money. Yeah. I think, I, I think we need to get jobs with Instagram if we can get paid to just reactivate accounts. Yeah. Maybe. That seems like an easy way to make money. It does seem like an easy way to make yeah. money, but it's probably just robots doing it. Yeah, probably. They work for relatively no money. That's true. That's true. Now, I think you find that probably most of the time you got banned, it wasn't about your content specifically as opposed to generally, because there are groups of people out there who go out on these moral crusades and they will go through Facebook and Instagram and anything which kind of fits the criteria of old sexualized content that they automatically report the account. Nothing specific, but once there's a certain number of reports on either an article or an account on Instagram, there's an auto ban. And then there's a period of where it's supposed to be reviewed by a human and your account gets reinstated. But the backlog is so great for accounts that people have had their accounts removed for six months no communication from instagram what was the offensive content and there were literally no photos no posts on that instagram account whatsoever people had just reported it because of the name associated with that account so i don't necessarily think they target the content or you specifically it's just generally anything which they see as 
immoral. You've got these groups of cyber warriors who go out there and just, okay, let's report, let's report. Who have we got on the list today? Let's get this person banned. And obviously, as you get more and more notorious through the OnlyFans platform and through the podcast, you're going to be more of a target. So, you know, at some point, you're probably going to have to find a platform where you're not going to get destabilized and taken off because the last thing you want to keep doing is as you get to like, you know, 2 million followers, 5 million followers, is just start from scratch every three months, six months. So, yeah. you know, may, maybe look towards and perhaps within coordination with maybe other OnlyFans, you know, content providers, you know, something which you can set up where people can, you can still get a good following where you're not, subject to the censorship which in the face of cancel culture and what they're supposedly supposed to be progressive and allowing this makes possibly the least sense of anything given how well it's actually the absolute opposite of cancel culture yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but they're they're canceling people that are actually doing stuff they support but now you have kind of the anti-cancel culture running in yeah and you know, yeah. going after these accounts. Now, I also sorry, think have a, like, I mean, I have a very strong personality for the most part. I'm opinionated. I'm quirky. I'm like very unashamed to be myself. And I think the more people do that on social media, the more people hate you, but then the more people love you as well. But um, it's a lot easier for people to just like spam report me. And I know there's definitely a lot of people who spam report me. Like I remember before my Instagram got deleted, I was getting like 10 emails a day of people trying to log into my Instagram, which was crazy. It was crazy. Um, so I just, yeah, the, the more you're yourself and the more you're out there and the more you try to get like love, I think you get just as much hate, if not more. Cause I think a lot of guys hate my message yeah. and I didn't know how many miso- like misogynistic men there were still out there until I read my like TikTok comments and my TikTok comments are really, really bad. Like if you go through some of them, like men saying like, you know, you belong in the kitchen, which I didn't know people still believed like, or where's your father? How will you ever find a boyfriend dressing like that? Or, um, women like don't deserve rights. It's like just crazy. The stuff people will still say. And I'm like, there's part of, and that's where I kind of think like part of the country is just so backwards still. And they just need to think more progressively. Right. But I think one of the uh, issues with that, right, is you can't read inflection and in typing. Kind of like what you were talking about, uh, the bitch, you better be there. I mean, it'd be like me saying to him, hey, uh, we're going to talk to Adelia today. Bitch, you better be here. You know, and that's kind of what I'm picturing you said, right? But, and, and that's kind of the way you were saying it as you type. So mm-hmm. now you read it and you don't have that sarcastic inflection on there. Like I've always said, we need a sarcasm font right and so and i'm not defending these comments on your tiktok by any means but you could see how people would be trolling along or saying that you know hey you ought to be in the kitchen or whatever you know things like number one let me see if i can get a rise out of her for saying this and get her to comment back right because then maybe my comment gets all these likes and blah 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 or two could it be said in that sarcastic way of, you know, it's probably better that you're not in the kitchen because you're so good at doing this, right? I mean, I, I try to keep my wife out of the kitchen because I do a better job of cooking, just to be <laughs> honest. So, 
Well, to be honest, you don't have much problem keeping her out of the kitchen. Do well, you? that's true. Like, it, it's to, not like I'm fighting it, her to like get out of the push kitchen. An elephant up the stairs, get yeah, her in the kitchen. That yeah. is true. Um, yeah. So you, you talk a lot about uh, women empowerment, but you, you know, people obviously with these prejudices see this as the opposite, as in it subjects women to you know, men's control and, you know, showing their body for money and men controlling everything. But, you know, to me, I have more of an issue with what seems more commonplace and acceptable in terms of trying to get young women selling all these pyramid scheme things you see constantly all over Instagram and Facebook. And, you know, I I would feel very, very demoralised, you know, like if I had a daughter and she figured that was going to be the career choice. I'm going to try and find some multi-level marketing scheme selling scented candles or essential oils or something and just hope, yeah. you know, after I've run out of friends and family that, you know, I can build up a customer base to make some money. And yet, you know, a platform like this where, you know, a woman has 100% control over the content who is allowed because obviously you can ban people, ban accounts who are abusive, whatever. And you get to do it in the safety of your own home. It's home. It's fully under your control. You go to the, you know, level you want to go to, or you just want to sit there in nice clothes and you never show more than a bare shoulder. You can do that. So, you know, how are you going to get the message to those women who are, are kind of under, under the, I, I don't know how to say it, because there are a lot of women who are still, I guess, because of the shame society gives, are reluctant to kind of enjoy sexuality on a public level. It's still very much a secret for women if they watch porn, you know, for a lot of women and stuff. So how are you going to reach that kind of segment who are scared of, I guess, the reputation that OnlyFans brings? How are you going to reach them directly, I guess, the question is. Definitely. Um so with my podcast so far, I've actually had a lot of girls reach out to me saying like how much they relate to some of the things I've said and like just being able to have those open conversations because I think I'm very like raw and vulnerable on my podcast where I do talk about my experience. And I mean, something that I do mention is like OnlyFans really isn't for everybody. Like you have to take a lot of public criticism. You have to take, I mean, what I personally did, which I don't think this is like for everybody but I took a lot of acid. And when I took acid, I was able to like really differentiate what other people's shame was versus mine. And I was not ashamed of like my body and I was not ashamed to show my body. And um, when I like really thought about it, cause you know, acid kind of lets you process these things. And um, it was like my parents' shame. It was like my friend's shame. And then I realized, well, are they even my friends if they're going to shame me for this? Are they even good friends? And, you know, there were a lot of people that I ended up distancing myself from, which I replaced with a lot of girls and OnlyFans. Like, I swear OnlyFans is one of the most supportive communities. I've never had this many girlfriends in my life. Um, so I was able to just kind of replace the old people with new people who I think are a lot healthier for me. And I do think, um, you know, there are some girls who don't fully process what they're going to do before they make an OnlyFans. And they're still processing shame and stuff like that for when they first start. And I would just recommend like a really, th I mean, I thought things through for about five or six months before I made one. Um, so then when I did make one, I was like really excited, ready to go. I was like ready to advertise it to the world. But I mean, not every person is like that. Some people do care about what other people think. Some people are a little more sensitive to public criticism. And I say you should work on those things first before you make one. 
Or if you're fairly confident and don't care what people think, just make one. But um, I think that your mental health always comes first because it's really hard to create content or get new subscribers or, you know, do whatever you're going to do if you're in a bad mental headspace. Like I was just really depressed for like a month or two and I wasn't making a lot of content, but you know, so you really have to take care of yourself and process whatever you got to process. Makes sense. Just out of curiosity, have you ever talked anybody out of creating an OnlyFans account? I've had a few friends who wanted to make OnlyFans accounts and I told them straight up, I didn't think they were going to do a very good job or make a lot of money. And I still stick by what I said. Um, because I think a lot like my friends who wanted to make an OnlyFans and the ones I talked out of it were like, Oh my God, I'm going to make so much money on OnlyFans. I'm going to do this, this, and this, like, it's going to be easy. And I'm like, having an OnlyFans, is not easy. I work like every single day. I work a lot. Um, you know, between responding to messages, between making the content, between setting up collabs with girls, driving to girls, like doing all this stuff, making TikTok. So you keep getting new subscribers, Instagram posts. Like it is a lot, a lot of work. Like it's work that I really like doing, but for the people who want quick, easy money, like sure, maybe make an account for 24 hours and you'll make a good amount of money. But for the long run, it's really hard to keep the money flowing. So for people who think that it's just like the easiest way to make quick cash, it's not really, it's not really like that. I think anything you have to really work for. Right. Now on your podcast, what kind of topics do you cover? Because I can imagine that once you kind of get outside the skeleton of, you know, how OnlyFans is set up, the platform and the content on it, where do you kind of go with that with your podcast? Is it more about the personalities and backgrounds of the guests on there or is it, further exploration of perhaps where the platform can go um we had a lady on our podcast um about a month ago who's into a new form of virtual reality and we did bring up the topic of you know um websites with you know adult content on there and how this new vr technology is gonna you know interact with that and you know we kind of agreed that you know sex is pretty much the driving you know force behind most technological developments so do you do you have like i don't know a, a plan where the whole community grows with you or are you going to be this lighthouse for all these people who are coming on board with it all these new people and be a kind of guide in the dark yeah um so in my podcast so i i kind of have different ideas for it. like so if i have a guest the podcast is completely different than if i do it solo so I have one solo episode a month or more, but the solo episodes are a lot of work because it's literally just me talking into the camera for like an hour straight. So <laughs> that's a lot of work. So I try to do one solo podcast a month and then three guests. And then the guests that I like to have on, um, I mean, I get deep, but I also like to laugh. I like to kind of mix it up with some games. But um, I mean, I want to know about like their childhood. I want to know about their trauma because I want the listeners to be able to relate and be like, oh, okay, so this sex worker is a real person who has gone through experiences that are similar to mine. Okay, so honestly, we talk about like what made them decide to make an OnlyFans and what their experience has been like. But what I really try to do is like humanize these girls that a lot of people try to dehumanize. And then during my solo podcast, I try to talk about kind of issues that I'm dealing with. Like I go to therapy, I have a life coach, I'm really open about these things. 
So I try to talk about like real topics going on in my life that can help other people. I mean, my first podcast, I kind of talked about how I discovered I was bi. Um, My next solo podcast that I'm recording this week, but it'll probably be out in like two weeks or something like that. I'm talking about being like digmatized by men or clitmatized to girls. So my term for that is like when a dick is so like hypnotizing or addicting because they're toxic. So that's called being like digmatized. So like my, it's about getting over that and how to like overcome that kind of stuff. So I try to talk about a lot of different issues. Um, so yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's a lot about OnlyFans, but it's also about like everyone who has an OnlyFans is still a human going through very human experiences. Yeah. So going kind of along those lines as you're kind of exploring that, the podcast is actually letting you learn a little bit more about yourself, would you say? I Yeah, I would definitely say that. Um, especially when I'm like writing my script sometimes, it's kind of like I'm journaling. Um, my, my life coach also has me journal to like process my emotions, but it's like, I'll be writing stuff down and being like, Oh, I didn't think of that before. So I definitely think it helps me discover more about myself as much as it helps other people kind of discover stuff about themselves, or at least that's my goal. I mean, I had like a few girls be like, I had that same experience, like figuring out they were by and I'm like, Oh my God, like that makes me so happy to hear. Now, You've been going since October now with a podcast. How many episodes have you had out so far? Two. Two? Well, that's okay. Uh, I mean, every, you got to start you got, somewhere. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've only been going for about 13, 14 months. So, and okay. for the first three, four months, you know, I mean, outside of forcing the uh, household pets to listen, you know, you did, there wasn't much of a startup. But then for some reason, about month three, I don't know if it's a particular episode or whatever kind of took off and then it just kind of went like that for, you know, the rest of its life. Yeah. I had a podcast before and I remember manifesting all these things and like, I'm really glad that it didn't work with that podcast or the things didn't manifest with this one, because now I'm thinking these, all these like really great things are going to happen with this podcast. And I'm feeling like really excited about it since like I'm putting like my blood, sweat and tears into this. Like for the past two weeks, I've been like recording myself on my computer, like with the script that I have to make sure everything sounds good (laughs) because like, I'm just, I'm an overachiever like that. Well, yeah, but I, I guess it's also good that you had the one before. So you learned from your mistakes and you know what you did with the one before. So now coming into this one, it's not fresh. You know, you you at least have some of the aspects of what you've got to do to create a podcast under your belt already. I'm so happy because I think that one, there was like a lot of trial and error. I don't think my interviews got as deep as I would like them to be. So now I kind of know what better questions to ask. I do a lot more for pre-interview. I kind of like do my research and now I just like work a lot harder and like have my scripts actually be long enough. So it's like, if I forget things to say, like I have something. So there's not like a lot of awkward pauses. But I mean, I wouldn't have taken that experience back. I definitely think it helped me grow the fan base, and now I'll just like continue growing it. Yeah. Did you did you write that down? No. Like we should like do some more research and not have awkward pauses. I figured we might be recording it, so it'd be all right. Oh, okay. All right. Um, Yeah, I think one thing which is important, especially when you have guests on, is to kind of divert away from the traditional structure, and that's something we learned as we went along that you know, guests get tired of being asked the same questions over and over again. And it doesn't matter how devoted of a fan you are, you know, you get tired of hearing the same answers again and again. So we've tried to with a lot of guests, 
you know, allow the guests to have the freedom to talk about what they want because I think you learn more about a person if you don't direct the conversation towards the things you specifically want to know and you hear about other things. I mean, you mentioned, you know, rave music and electronic music. If we kept strictly to topic and we're just talking about the OnlyFans platform, that's a part of your life which might, you know, not not make the cut, so to speak. But I understand it's a big part of your life. You're into DJing, music production, rave music. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So there was a time in my life where I thought I was going to be a DJ. And that time in my life was very recent. (laughs) Um, And the thing is, I love like to my like, I I have the saying like dubstep makes me horny. It's like from my brain to like my vagina. It gets like all tingly when I like listen to dubstep. However, when I get behind the DJ board, I felt like since I liked the music so much, I should have like more of a passion for DJing. But what I discovered is I like making music more and I like kind of being behind the scenes. Since I'm friends, I actually just started becoming friends with some of my like favorite DJs to see And when I was talking to them, they're like, yeah, we have to like basically play a show, go on a flight, play another show. They'll go like 48 hours without sleep sometimes. Like, you know, they have a lot of really late nights um, and it's just kind of like a go, go, go atmosphere. And I'm I'm in bed by like 8 p.m. most nights when I go when I go out to party. I'm usually I go out at like 3 p.m. during the day. So by like 10 p.m. I'm done. I'm like in bed. I'm asleep unless it's for like a dubstep show where there's like a DJ I really want to see. So I think I just recently discovered like I don't want to DJ and I don't want to do those things, but I do want to like make music. And like I think through TikTok, I can still kind of have a music career without actually having to go places and DJ. And it's just like a hobby of mine. Well, but I think it also goes back to like maybe you and I's days of, you know, you go to a live rock show, right? And I remember, you know, seeing a band and saying, I want to learn guitar. And I started a band and do all that. I mean, you don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to make electronic music. You know, at, at least you were a fan first. And that's what leads, you know, you into that. I think there's a lot of folks, you know, podcast wise or any kind of content creation, they see some little kid, right? And he's unwrapping toys on YouTube and you find out he's making $28 million a year. And like, oh, okay, well, I've got a camera on my computer. I'm going to start a YouTube channel and I'm going to be a millionaire tomorrow. And it just doesn't work that way. No, I mean, I wish I had more of a passion for it, but I don't think, I mean, I, I have a lot of health issues. So realistically with my health issues, like I, it wouldn't be sustainable for me to try to like travel and go DJ everywhere. However, I do feel like with my social media presence, I can take a different approach so I can still like be backstage. I can still do do all these things, but use like my social media following to do that instead of focusing on like, I'm going to be the person DJing. Like, I mean, I used to uh, like, I I was a pageant kid (laughs) and I didn't even care about the people in the audience, but when I would play piano, I'd black out, like just completely black out. Like, can you imagine me DJing in front of like a crowd of like a hundred thousand people? I think I'd die. (laughs) (laughs) But, But kind of going along that same line and what you can do with the influence and everything, you're also in the process of starting up a nonprofit. So can you walk us through a little bit of that? Yeah. So I grew up fostering dogs. Um, I have fostered over 200 dogs in my day. 
Um, and then when I was in college, I volunteered at some of the shelters in the area. And I just have a passion for um, helping animals. And um, my ultimate goal for when I retire is to have an animal rescue. I mean, granted, I'd hire people to do a lot of things because I by no means think I'm an expert, but like, I'll be the money. I'll have the cash to like sponsor it. Um, so as of right now, with my social media following, my goal with um, my foundation is to basically have girls take photos with adoptable dogs. Po- like I'll pay for the photo shoot. I'll pay for the location. Like I'll pay for everything. And then they just have to post with the puppy on their social media or dog or cat or whatever it is, um, basically promoting um, my foundation and having people donate money to that. So as of right now, I'm going to partner with the animal rescue I volunteered for growing up. And then when I'm older and I have my own animal rescue, my goal is to like save dogs who are about to be euthanized, like within a few days, since I think that that's a big problem over here in the U.S. Like, I mean, a lot of puppies, they'll get adopted in like 24 hours. So I don't want to spend my resources like I want to spend my resources on the dogs who get kennel depressed and I want to like help them be happy again. And kennel, get kennel depressed. I think that's what's wrong with our dogs. <laughs> I think they're kennel depressed. No, my dog's as happy as all get out. Oh. She's so old. She just gets as many treats as she wants all day mm. long. And so she just walks around smiling and pooping. I, I think mine's kennel depressed though. Yeah. Now, um, you did mention the ugly word retirement there. Um, what kind of age are you perceiving retirement? Because obviously with OnlyFans and any type of adult ed- entertainment, you know, there's a market for every stage. So, you know, some people like teens, some people like women in their 20s and the 30s housewife and then onto the MILF and now onto the GILF and stuff. So, I mean, you don't really... You have- know an awful lot about this. I do, yeah. Yes. It's like I may have done some research with access to the internet when I've been alone. Um, so, I mean, there there is a step where you can just continue going and continue going where there's not really a ceiling because there's a ready-made kind of fan base or niche for almost any where you can go with yeah. it. So do you see kind of quitting only fans eventually to concentrate on this or is this something you can run parallel alongside it? I wouldn't say it ever quit only fans, but like when I'm like quote unquote retired, I mean, I don't see myself ever not working, but I would see myself spending a lot less time on like building my social media presence because right now, I mean, as much as I'm working on OnlyFans, I actually think OnlyFans is probably like the least amount of work. I mean, it's still a lot of work. Maybe they're equal. I'll say they're equal, but it's like I'm spending just as much time making YouTube videos, practicing piano for these YouTube videos, like making TikToks, finding sounds for the TikToks to blow up because if a TikTok blows up, my OnlyFans subs skyrocket. So it's just a lot of time and energy. I'm hoping that one day, like when I'm quote unquote retired, I don't have to spend all this like draining energy on like getting my name out there. People will just know me and then people will just buy my content because they know me and I don't have to like tire myself. I can, I can do other things too. Yeah. So maybe you're not really talking about retirement. You're really talking about, you know, slowing Mm -hmm. down a bit and, you know, smelling the roses along the way and actually enjoying it versus having to put all that time and effort and feel like, you know, I've got to be here. I got to be there. I got to do this. I got to do that. I, I, I don't think somebody like you who already has their fingers in so many different things really wants to truly retire and just sit, you know, in a lazy boy and watch Netflix. I have like, I mean, I actually just found out I have ADHD. 
So sitting still like makes me twitch. Like, I don't know if you guys have noticed how twitchy I am on this podcast, but I'm like a very twitchy person. So I couldn't ever see myself like fully retiring and not working. So I would like really spend a lot of time on like the animal rescue. And like, I think one of my specialties from fostering dogs growing up is like when dogs are really scared, like helping calm them, helping soothe them and stuff like that. So I want to spend a lot of time. Wait, we uh, haven't noticed you being twitchy because we're twitching too. So I think we're our, our twitches are like in sync. So everything just looks like steady cam. I thought you were. I thought you were just practicing your DJ stuff. So uh, I didn't really no. know. Something. So Adelia, can you tell people directly how they can get in touch with you if they want to come on? You know, perhaps as a guest, because I know you probably, you know, reach out. You know, to mm-hmm. your own people who you want on, and you may have some people get in touch with you who know how to get in touch with you to come on your podcast. But I think there are a lot of people. You know, maybe have nothing to do with only fans who would probably like to give you know just a little bit of insight to what it's like to I don't know whether it be a male or a female in any age group and just talk how they feel about the industry because we're told how people feel about the industry but you never really hear many people actually talk about it so you have to go on you know all these studies and what people say people's attitudes are to these things and I think what's probably missing is a lot of just normal regular people just saying look no i don't feel like this i don't feel this is a dirty occupation if they're going to make money out of this and they're safe then good luck to them and i think perhaps it might help if people hear just more normal everyday voices just providing support and saying no i don't find this offensive this this is fake outrage by a select group of people who have set out on this destructive mission to destroy the platform but the majority of normal people you know, they don't mind. They live and let live. So, I mean. Definitely. I would say reach out on our Instagram. So it's That's Offensive Podcast. Um, and then it, you can, the website to find like the Spotify and stuff like that is that's offensive.co.com, C-O. And my website, if you want to find my OnlyFans or talk to me any other way, um, it's it's deals d-e-e-l-z.com for all of my socials since i always get deleted it's easier just to say that so you can see what's up <laughs> right so it's one of those uh what was that deal like a link tree kind of deal mm. you know they yeah, can just go there and and yeah. find you yeah. with everything yeah, pretty much it's like not a link tree it's like a personalized website because it just looks a lot better but yeah basically it's like a it has all my all my links on there cool very good well, Adelia, it was so great that you could take some time out of your day to join us. We learned a, a lot. I think I learned a lot more than he did. I think he already knew a lot of this stuff, which mm. would make me a little nervous. But and at oh, least an only child with well, access to the internet. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. And thankfully, you didn't ask him about his failed OnlyFans account. We'll save that for a later <laughs> podcast. So, well, with all that said, thanks for tuning into this episode of The Wolf and the Shepherd, and we will catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wolf and the Shepherd podcast. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, thewolfandtheshepherd.com, to your friends and colleagues. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes when you get a chance. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for additional content. Join us next time for another episode of the Wolf and the Shepherd. Ooh.